Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Why should we be baptized? And if I could make that, that reason as simple as possible for you, it would be giving you the power to be super at natural things. When we think of that word supernatural, it doesn't have to mean weird. It doesn't have to mean paranormal. It can simply mean being super at natural things. Being super at how you love people. Super at having self-control. Super at being gentle with one another. And today we're going to move from receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit to the nine gifts of the Spirit. And this is obviously connected to our relationship with the Holy Spirit. But it is not about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, okay? The, these nine gifts are available to all believers to operate in. So we're going to talk about what are the gifts of the Spirit, what is their significance, why should we pursue these gifts? And I entitled today's message, Whose Nine Is It Anyway? If you watch the show, uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Anybody familiar with that show? It was an impromptu show, and nobody knew the lines. You'd have to make, they'd have to make up skits as they went along. Whose, nine, whose gifts do these belong to? They belong to everybody, and we're going to explain why in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you've got your Bible with you this morning, you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've been in Acts for the past couple weeks. We talked about the beginning of the persecution of the church. As the Holy Spirit, as that baptism was breaking out, some disciples were being killed for their faith. We talked briefly about the stoning of Stephen last week. If you didn't know, at that stoning, at, at that time, there was a man there named Saul. And Saul was a persecuting, uh, a terrorist. He hated the Christians. He, he wanted to end Christianity. He was a murderer and an aggressor. But one day, as he was traveling on the road, God spoke to him. And he actually blinded him. And a voice from heaven came to him and said, This is Jesus who you've been persecuting. And through that transformation, Saul... Not only was it an inward, it was also an outward. He, became, he went from Saul to Paul. It's actually one of the greatest stories of a person being changed and transformed by the power of Jesus. And it's a testimony that God can change anyone. I don't know if you're here and, and God changed your life completely, but maybe, maybe you were in the middle of a, a relationship and you were headed down the wrong path, but God changed your life. I don't know if you were caught up in an addiction one time and headed down the wrong path, but God changed your life. No matter what you're going through, you are never too far gone to experience the transformation power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Yes. If you're praying for somebody, you're here today, but you're praying for someone that's far right now, take heart. No, they are not too far gone from the power of God, from the love of Jesus. I know it's early on the message, but can I preach for a second here? Yes. And God, God completely changes Paul, and now he becomes an apostle. He, he goes from being a murderer to an apostle writing these letters to the churches. And he's instructing them how to live their life for Jesus. Specifically in this, we're looking at Paul speaking to the church at Corinth and instructing them many different things, and specifically here on spiritual gifts. We're going to start from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's read the first six verses together. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. 
You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. All right, so Paul starts by saying, now concerning spiritual gifts. This is kind of his opening line. If you look to other chapters, chapter I think six or seven, he'll do this with each chapter. He'll say, now regarding questions on food. Now regarding your questions on marriage. And here in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, now I'm going to inform you, I'm going to explain to you spiritual gifts. And Paul says, you were once pagans. The Greek word for pagans used here is ethnos. And it's actually the same word for Gentiles that we saw, if you remember, in Acts chapter 10 last week. Paul is saying, spiritually, you were once a Gentile. You didn't understand the scriptures, but now I want you to understand And he starts with the most basic principle that he could. He says, if you want to determine what is and what is not a spiritual gift, start by being aware of whether it casts down or it lifts up the name of Jesus. He says, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except through the Holy Spirit. You can't be of a different spirit and be lifting up the name of Jesus. Now, listen, a lot of people use the name of Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. Not a lot of people are proclaiming Jesus is Lord over their life. There's a difference. We have to be people that claim the lordship of Jesus. Meaning saying, Jesus, you are Lord of my finances. Jesus, you are Lord of my schedule. You're Lord of my career. You're the Lord of my home. A lot of people are saying his name, but unfortunately they're using it sometimes as a curse word. That's what Paul's saying here in verse 3. He's saying people are saying Jesus is accursed. But instead, we need men and women of God that declare no lordship. Jesus is Lord of my life. Amen? Amen. Then Paul goes on to say there are many gifts, but there's one spirit. A lot of different ways to serve, but there's one Lord. Many activities, but they're all empowered by God. Some gifts are ways to serve in a position. Some gifts are activities or events. But notice Paul says there are many gifts, but one spirit, the same spirit, the Holy Spirit. And you can serve through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is God the Father who empowers all things, speaking to the unity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. After he establishes this precedent, he then begins to list off the gifts of the Spirit. Let's read them together, starting in verse 7. It says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. 
Paul starts by saying there, to each, meaning to every single person. All people can be given a manifestation of the Spirit. All can work in the gifts of the Spirit. And so we're going to dive into each one of these gifts. And I know this has been a lot these past few weeks. It's been very heady, okay? This is the last week we're going to do gifts of the Spirit today. And then we're going to move into the fruits of the Spirit after this. And it's important to know that I want to caution you, okay? The difference between gifts of the Spirit and fruits of the Spirit. One of the differences. A gift of the Spirit, think of a gift given to you. A gift can be given to anyone, any believer, is what it's saying here, what Paul is saying. So whether you're a young and immature believer or a mature believer, you can receive the same gift. Whereas a fruit of the Spirit, if you think about fruit, if you take a seed and you plant it in the ground, you water it, you don't go back the next day and start reaping the fruit. It takes time. So when you look at gifts and you see people operating in gifts, that's great. But caution, having a gift of the Spirit does not make you automatically a mature believer. However, fruits of the Spirit, when you begin to move in the, in the Spirit and you're like, why don't I have patience a day after I was filled? It doesn't work that way. I wish it did. We all did, right? We all wish we had patience. We all wish we had joy at every moment. It takes time to cultivate that fruit in our life. So Paul says, everyone can see the action. And he says at the beginning in verse 7, he said, it is for the common good. These gifts that I give to you are for the common good. Our first point this morning, talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Number one, the gift given to you is not given for you. The gift that's given to you, it's not given for you. Paul is making it clear that the gift that is given to you, it's not for it's not about you. Sometimes when we receive a gift, we become so obsessed with that gift and we lose sight of the people that we're supposed to bless that gift with. Now God says you're supposed to share that gift with the world. It's created for you to bless others. Think about people, think about physical gifts. Think about if Adele has an incredible ability to sing, if she only sang in her shower. Our world would miss out on the gift that she has. Think about incredible chefs. If they only would cook for themselves or their family, people would miss out with the gifts that God has given them. How much more should the gifts that we receive be ready to share with the world around us? Let's walk through these these different gifts of the Spirit and and show you how they are the gifts for the good of all people. We're going to walk through each of these nine gifts. First, Paul begins with the gift of wisdom and the gift of knowledge. These are both very similar. All right? they're, they're considered gifts of revelation. It's, it's a revelation that God has given someone that they could not know without divine impartation. It's possible that you've received a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom from someone. The main difference is they are both fragments of God's knowledge to meet someone's need. But a word of knowledge is revealing something from their past, okay? So a word of knowledge might be something like someone would say, hey, I know, I feel like God is telling me that you went through a really ugly breakup last year, and you've been blaming yourself, and you're feeling like God is never going to give you to the right person, but he says he loves you, and he has the best plan for you. Don't allow fear to tell you otherwise. Remember, just like every single gift, the point is to be encouraging, right? You should not go up to somebody and say, hey, God told me you had a really rough breakup. Sorry about that. That's rough. 
I hope you're doing okay. I'm like, well, I was, but now you brought it up, and now I'm like rethinking all this, so thanks a lot. No, the point is to encourage you, to, to remind you, hey, God has seen you go through these difficult things, and he's not forgot about you. Your best days are still to come. That's, that's an example of a word of wisdom, of knowledge. A word of wisdom would be something from the future that they believe God is telling them. So that might be something like, hey, I believe God is preparing you right now for the person of your dream this upcoming year. So continue to stay focused on God. He is going to prepare you for what is going to happen. That might be more of a word of wisdom. And listen, that's just an example I came up with. But if you're single and you want to take that for your life, you can go ahead and grab a hold of that and claim that in Jesus' name. I'm not, you're not against that. No shame in that, okay? All right, I hope those two make sense. Let's look at the third gift. It says the next one, faith. The gift of faith. If gift of faith is more than just belief that you're saved, that you have salvation. It's believing for God to move in the middle of intense situations. It's believing that he will protect you or provide for you or fight for you. When I think of men and women in the Bible that displayed gifts of faith, I think of Peter walking on the water. You know, all the other disciples believed, but they, they didn't walk out on the water. And they're thankful that God didn't call them out on the water. I think of Daniel in the lion's den praying for the, the mouths of the lions to be shut. I think of Joshua and the people of Israel marching around the walls of Jericho, expecting the walls to fall. Those are some examples of gifts of faith. Look, look at the next one, the gift of healing. Gifts of healing. Hopefully this is a fairly simple gift to understand, not a simple one to operate in, but it means the healing of, of disease and sickness it's to deliver those who are sick and oppressed. It's healing to, first and foremost, establish that Jesus is Lord. You know, if we get healed and we go back to what we're doing in our life, that doesn't really help us. Remember, Jesus would heal people and say, go and sin no more. The gift of healing so that we can now move forward in what God has for us. And you know, with healing, I look at the Bible, what Jesus did. There's different stages of healing. There could be an unconditional healing. There could be a conditional healing. There could also be a progressive healing. You look at Jesus, sometimes he healed people immediately. Sometimes he said, go now and, and wash yourself off in that pool, conditional. He also said there's there a time, I think it's in John chapter 4, where uh, a man comes to him for a son. And he says, go your way. He's going to be whole. He's going to be healthy. And as he was walking home, his servants came to him and said, your son is progressing. He's recovering. I mean, he wasn't automatically healed. So there's different stages of healing. And also notice that Paul doesn't say gift of healing. He says gifts, plural. I believe that certain people can have the ability to operate specifically for healing in different situations. Uh, there's a pastor at Bethel Church, Eric Johnson. He has a, he's partially deaf. And he's been praying for God to heal him of that. He hasn't yet received that. However, God has used him, and he is able to pray for others that struggle with that. And he has given them healing through Eric. And Eric's like, well, I don't enjoy this partial deafness, but if this is how God is going to use me, I'll use whatever God uses in my life to glorify him and healing to others. Gifts of healing. That's a difficult thing to learn, though. Gifts of healing. Let's go to the next one. Next one is the working of miracles, seeing something supernatural. Think about Moses parting the Red Sea. 
David using a slingshot to kill Goliath. Pretty, pretty self-explanatory, right? And I'm just touching on each one of these gifts, okay? If we wanted to go into all nine gifts in you know, extensive work, we would be here until the fireworks start tomorrow night. But I'm just touching on each one, all right? The next gift is the gift of prophecy. This is when a message that God gives typically to his entire church. If you look at 1 Corinthians 14, it talks about the difference between tongues and prophecy. Tongues is for, you know, building up of yourself, but prophecy is for building up of the church. This might be, you know, a word of This might be a word of imparting a new ministry in the church. Again, there's a lot of details, but we're going to keep moving on here. Um, the next gift is the ability to distinguish between spirits. It's the ability to acknowledge whether something is from God or something is from the enemy or maybe it's just something that I'm feeling myself. It takes that gift sometimes to be able to tell if this is something from God or is this something that really is more in my head. All right, and then the last two gifts are the gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues. I'm going to talk about those more in a second, but, but this is the full list, okay? This is the list of nine gifts. I've seen d- different people teach on them and categorize them as gifts of you know, revelation and power, gifts of utterance, but he- here are the, all the gifts. And then what does Paul say right after he lists the gifts? Look at verse 11 again. He says, all of these are empowered by one in the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Okay, so first of all, where does every single gift originate from? The Spirit, Holy Spirit. And he gives to each person individually a portion. And from what I'm reading, I don't believe there's a limit. I don't think there's, you know, any extended rules around these gifts, what we can and cannot operate around. And I want you to understand this. I want you to understand the breadth of gifts that God gives to the believer to equip us in our journey. And these gifts are not for us to brag about having. Remember, he says, they're for the common good. There are gifts of power that can demonstrate God's power for, for the believer, but also the unbeliever. You, you have the power to pray for healing for the sick, to see them recover in Jesus' name. We have the ability to, to give an encouraging word of wisdom or word of knowledge to someone. We can't just sit back on these gifts. We have to be ready to share them and glorify God with them. And I want to take note that the last two gifts that Paul mentions, he says tongues and interpretation of tongues. Past few weeks, we've been talking about tongues, right? We've been talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I think that Paul intentionally placed these last two gifts at the bottom, not to denigrate the gift, but because the Corinthians were actually exalting that gift above everything else. Our second point this morning, number two, don't fall in love with the gift, fall in love with the giver. Paul was saying, church, yeah, tongues is awesome. That, that, it's a great gift to strengthen yourself, but don't fall in love with one gift when God has given you eight other amazing gifts to bless his people with. You begin to fall in love with the gift, and then you use it, and you abuse that gift. But if you fall in love with the giver, you will always know how to glorify God with the gift. And that goes for every gift, okay? That doesn't even, that goes beyond spiritual gifts. 
I think about for myself, growing up, God gave me progressively the ability to sing well. He didn't give it to me right away. If you ask some of the people that went to youth with me, they know I took time. My voice would crack. Uh, I would be off pitch sometimes. And I think it's intentional that some people, you know, you go watch American Idol or The Voice or whatever, and they'll go and they'll belt it out like crazy. And like, how old are you? 13. And you're like, what? How are you 13? Like, that's incredible. I'm actually thankful to God now. I didn't have a great voice back then. And I think for myself, I can't speak for everyone else. Everyone has different stages where they learn. If I had had a good voice at 12, 14, I, met, I might have begun to focus on my gifts and lose the attention and focus on God. For me, just for me, I can't speak for everyone else. God knows what we can handle and what he can give us at certain times. There are many incredible gifts that God gives you and I. Don't, don't get focused on one little then ignore God. And some of you might be at this point, and this is fair, you might say, Matt, I'm confused. You spent the last three weeks talking about how important tongues are, how great that is, and now you're saying, yeah, it's not that great, it's not that big of a deal. No, I'm saying don't get caught up in tongues and lose sight of all the different gifts that God has for us. Simply pointing out the Spirit has so much more for you than speaking in tongues, and these gifts are more important because they have the greater ability to give glory to God to the unbeliever. Think about what, a, what you could do with an unbeliever praying for them to receive healing, praying a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. There are areas where the Bible says the tongues are for the unbeliever. But for some people, that would freak them out, right? Some people, if you, if you went up and started speaking in tongues over them, they would call the cops on you. But if you gave them a word of, heal, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, you prayed healing over their lives, I don't think they're going to call the police on you. And then Paul, he goes a whole other step in trying to hit home this point. The end of chapter 12, he uses a metaphor of, of a body and its different parts. Let's read that together. Verses 12 through 14. He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Paul's saying, you know how there's one body, but a body has a lot of different parts. So everyone who believes in Jesus, now they're part of the same body, but they're still different members of that body. Then he goes on, I'm going to paraphrase here, but he talks about what if the foot looked at the hand and said, well, I'm not a hand, so I'm not part of the body. What if the eye became jealous of what the ear was doing? We all know physically, if one part of our body wouldn't work anymore, the rest of us would feel that, right? If left, one leg doesn't work, we all notice that. Emma, can you attest to that? One part of the body's not functioning right. You feel that within you everywhere else. And then Paul says, especially the parts of the body that you can't see. I mean, it's, it's important to have your hand and your leg and, and your eye working correctly, but you can't function without your lungs. You can't function without your hearts. The gifts that you don't even see, or the parts of the body that you don't even see, how much more important are those gifts? How much more important are the gifts that are behind the scenes that yet allow the entire body of Christ to function. Think about we as a church, when we come together, we have so many different people 
that makes Sunday morning happen. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that we have multiple different people that make this happen. And I think as Paul is ending in the chapter, he transitions from talking about the gifts of the Spirit and that we all have the same level of importance as each person in the body of Christ. This is what he says. He goes on in verse 24. He says, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. Paul's saying, let there be no division in the body, but that we would equally care for one another and rejoice and grieve with each other through life. So what does that mean we should do? Our last point this morning, number three, we should celebrate every single gift. We need to celebrate the unique gifting that each person has. Each person's gift matters, right? We, we need the diversification of the gift in our church spiritually. And then let me go back to what I was going to say earlier about the whole body, the whole church. You know, we have to celebrate the different gifts in this church. Aren't you thankful that we have people here that are ready to make you feel at home when you walk through the door? Aren't you thankful for the refreshment team that is ready when you get here? I mean, let's be honest, church service just hits different after coffee, right? Church service just hits different after the refreshments, the homemade cookies or whatever. I'm thankful for a team of audiovisual and worship team that they come together to, to worship God and lead us in worship. I'm thankful we have people that secure the building and make sure we're safe as we worship. And, and our kids' ministry, I know you're thankful for kids' ministry workers, right? That they're, they're creating a church service in there to cater to our kids' needs and show them early on in their walk with God. If we're thankful for these physical gifts that we can see, how much more should we be thankful for the spiritual gifts that God gives us? The gifts of celebrating miracles and gifts of faith and word of wisdom and healing. Every gift matters and is worthy of celebration. So I encourage you, church, we, we need your gifts. Don't hide them. Don't be afraid to use them. Worship team, you can come join me as we close. This is a, hopefully a simple yet complicated message that this morning we're going to sing one more song. And I want to give you the opportunity to pray to God and let him know that you are ready, you are willing to be used by the Spirit and the gifts and the talents that he's given you. Paul ends the chapter at the very end talking about spiritual gifts. After listing off the gifts, he says this, verse 27. He says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets, all teachers, do all miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? I promise you these questions are rhetorical that Paul is asking. He's saying we can't all be the same. We can't all have the same gifts. But what should we do? How should we know what our gifting is? 
Look at the next verse, verse 31. He says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will still show you a more excellent way. How do we know? We have to seek them out. We have to seek and he will give us the gifts. The spirit will guide us. So the worship team, they're going to sing a song. And I just want you to take this time, take this moment to tell God, I'm ready to be used. Whatever you want me to do, whatever gifts you're stirring in me, let's just take a moment. Would you stand with me as we close? Let me pray for you. And then the worship team's going to lead us. God, we thank you this morning that you are the giver of all good gifts. You know exactly what to give to your children. And so I pray right now as we worship you, as we just take another few minutes before we end the service to focus on you, speak to us. If there are people in this room that they're desiring to be following you and, and seeking after you, but they don't know what it is, God, would you move in their hearts right now, speak to them a specific gift that you have for them. Maybe there are some people here this morning that you know you have a gift, but you're afraid to use it. God, I pray right now, would you strengthen them? Would you encourage them? Give them the boldness to use the gift that you've given for them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.